Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge, because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now, welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakeham and KB. Welcome to the neighborhood. You got your boy, Lake Kim, in the building, and I got my brother, KB, in the building with me. We're on episode 31, and we got a special guest for this one. So KB is going to let y'all know a little bit of who we decided to bring to the neighborhood because it's a childhood friend that we grew up with, and he's been able to accomplish a lot of stuff throughout his career, and now he's entering into the entrepreneurship world. So KB... Let the guests know who we bring into the neighborhood today. Today we have a special guest, not only because he's our fellow Flushing alumna and happened to be our varsity basketball teammate, but it's because he's our first professional athlete on the show. He attended Syracuse University for D1 football, which gave him the platform to express his domination on the defensive end. Through hard work and persistence, it led him to be drafted by the New York City Giants. He played 39 NFL games as a defensive tackle. His career high is 36 tackles in a single season. He is a five-year NFL vet, also turned entrepreneur. He gives back his knowledge of the game to the youth through his new academy called BFA. Ladies and gents, welcome to D-Line Specialist, Jason Brownlee to the neighborhood. Thank you, KB. Thank you, Lake Kim. Hell yeah, man. Yo, so Jay, this is exciting, man. We've been talking about this for a minute. We're excited to share with your story, man. I think what you've been able to accomplish over this last decade has been super impressive. We both come from Queens, New York. Well, all of us come from Queens, New York, and you're one of the first people to to make it out the hood and to do something with yourselves. We want to know what your story is. You're an NFL player. That's a lot of kids' dreams coming out of New York and coming out of Queens. First off, Jay, if you don't mind letting the listeners know, where you from, man? What was it like growing up being Jason Bromley? First off, I want to say thank you guys for having me. You don't know how much of a pleasure this is, man. I get to sit and have a conversation with the flyest guys in high school. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't compete back then. I'm so thankful now. I have a pair of shoes that you might like. I didn't have any back in the day. My name is Jason Bromley. I'm fortunate to be here. Born and raised in Southside Jamaica, Queens. Just coming from that environment, man, it's just been a blessing to make it this far, to make it to the NFL, to go to Syracuse University, to be a college graduate. My life is a story of perseverance, a story of defeating the odds, and a story of not giving up on myself and not seeing my environment and allowing that to dictate my life and how it's going to be. And really, that's what you'll see throughout the whole storyline is let down or set back. You grind and you go forward. And you just try to help as many people along the way. And really, you don't get anywhere without some kind of help from other people as well. Growing up, did you always want to be in NFL? Is that what the dream of yours? No, man. Honestly, man, like while we were in high school, we was playing, I played basketball with you guys. And then I played football uh, with the football team. I'd rather play basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> at, at first love kind of thing. I love basketball. But I was only like, I don't know, maybe 6'2", six, 6'3", six, at the time. And I was playing center. I was playing center for us. I know I'm not jumping like Charles Barkley. So I'm like, that's probably not going to work out that well. It just so happens that, man, me playing football, I grew into my body, getting stronger and getting taller. And then as I grew into it, I never like dreamed of being a football player. 
I just always, or going to the NFL, I just always had a competitive mindset that I wanted to be the best in the room. I wanted to be better than whoever you perceive to be the best at my position. So that motivation only made me work harder. And then the fruit of my labor came from that. That's crazy because if people probably didn't know you, they would probably assume that that was your goal to, you know, go to the NFL. So what would you say as you started to see your skill sets improve, who played like some of the biggest parts in helping you get your skill sets to go to the professionals? Coach Rudy, I don't know if you guys knew Coach Rudy. He was a football coach uh, at Flushing while we were there. He wasn't really at Flushing, but he came to the field and helped us out. He was a D-line coach that we had that Coach D brought on. And he was like a father figure to me, literally the father figure. Literally would pick me up and take me to get a burger and just talk about life, teach me how to be humble, teach me about work ethic. And that was really the guy that really helped me in high school hone in on like I'm gifted whatever God has given me as far as talent. Mm-hmm. Talent is what you're given by God. Like people just have it. They wake up like that. But work ethic and technique is something that can be honed, that can be skilled day in and day out. And through actually sacrificing time that you'd rather be doing something else for that skill. Coach Rudy really helped me develop that mentality of focusing on my skill set. And that helped me become a D1 player eventually. One thing I always noticed, you know, by going to high school with you, people always say your work ethic was very diligent. And that's the reason that you was always a great player because you really work hard more than the average person. Thank you. It was fun to me. And it's funny talking about where I come from. That was the space I loved to be in. I didn't want to go home. Basketball saved me during that time. It gave me somewhere to be where I didn't have to go home. Football saved me because it gave me where I didn't have to go home. Those environments allow me to take whatever anger, frustration I have from home and really hone it in. I can have fun here. I can be physical here. That's what I loved about basketball. Everybody was soft to me. You know what I'm saying? Like when I came from playing football, I loved setting a pick for Lake Kim. And that guy didn't see me and, and he and crush him. You know what I'm saying? He's like, out of here. That, Coach, that, tell was, me. <laughs> that was so rewarding to me. One of my things was... I hated playing against football players, but when they was on my team, I was like, yo, (laughs) let's go. I really enjoyed that part of it. One of the things that KB said is I respect the leadership that you brought to the squad in playing ball with you. One thing that I want to ask, Jay, is where do you think your situation would have been if it wasn't for sports? Growing up in Southside Jamaica, Queens, I feel like for me, you and KB, sports gave us discipline and it kept us from doing things that we know we shouldn't have been doing. How would your life have been if it wasn't for sports? Man, that's a loaded question. It sounds cliche when you come from the hood and you say, man, if I didn't have this game, I might have been a drug dealer. I might have been in prison. I might have been dead kind of thing. But that's the reality. I can look back at my life and say, nah, bro, that's real. The drug dealers and the gangbangers in the hood for whatever reason, when they knew I was playing ball, they applauded that. I remember them like, oh, you coming from ball? Like, All right, bro, keep doing your thing. Well, they on the corner, though. They standing in front of the crib doing what they doing. And my father was in jail 17 years. My father was a pimp. My mother was a prostitute. And my brother, like a father figure that I had for a decent amount of my life, he was a pimp. So everything I was around, I shared rooms every man I ever knew had came from prison. You are a product of your environment, unless you're one of those gems that without sports can really latch on to something and be like, you know what, I'm going to stick to this. I don't want to be like these people around me. It's really easy to fall into that. I would say, man, I can't necessarily say I would have done anything positive because 
I would have been like a lot of people and I would have felt victim to my environment. And I think that's a big thing that me and KB, we talk about all the time is I'm forever grateful for some of the coaches and mentors that we had coming up because ain't no telling where we would have been. I preach this all the time is I feel like me, you and KB, we was all and we still are all one decision away from being a completely different person. All of us growing up, one decision would have changed our whole outcome of who we are today as young, successful Black men. I think that was one thing I definitely wanted to touch on. What you think, Kate? What else uh, you want to know? I wanted to know, how do you feel about hitting people? You get enjoyment out of that. It's some type of mental thing you develop. When you play with the position I play and you grow in that position, I tell people football is not just technique. It's literally, especially in my position, it's a mentality. It's plenty of guys that wake up better than me that I'm better than mm. because they don't have the right mentality. I've played most players that I've played with, especially by the time I got to college, were better athletes than me, but they never outworked me. They weren't as tough as me. How I felt about hitting people, yeah, it is a joy. When you hit a quarterback and, okay, he might have threw that ball, but he don't really want to sit in that pocket like he did before. <laughs> like, he, his chest hurt a little bit. He is different now. That's the mentality a lot of defensive coordinators breed to because if you hit him, it's going to change him. What kind of man are you? I'm going to see what kind of man. Are you going <laughs> to sit there and take them hits over and over and over again? Like, like Marshawn Lynch said, he said, run, run through a mother's face. <laughs> again and again and again and again and guess what most people ain't, ain't gonna want to sit there no more and that's football <laughs> nah that's definitely facts though because that's i was on the other spectrum i used to run so fast because i didn't want to get hit he <laughs> <laughs> was a pretty boy he was trying to make it to Dude. the party <laughs> nah i'm saying i used to play football for two years peewee oh yeah yeah man i was supposed to be a running back but i quit and i went to basketball yeah yeah you didn't definitely didn't want to get hit you <laughs> running back that's all you do okay <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm in a wrong sport. <laughs> and then, so Jay, before we jump into some of the business side of it, what would you say is some of your best experiences from flushing, from either like me, you, and KB, or just some of the things that before you blew up and before you became who you are, what are some of your best experiences? Here's one thing that I think of, and we were talking about it the other day, when we were playing Bayside and... We didn't win a lot of games in high school. We was uh, working hard. We just didn't have what it takes to win a lot of games. But mm -hmm. I remember that one game where I gave you that pass and you hit a game-winning shot and we beat Bayside High School, man. And we was on the bus. We was rapping and we was just celebrating of one of our three victories that season. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my experience, man. What would you say some of your... Best experiences uh, coming up. That's funny, man. I remember that yesterday, too, man. That was a, like you said, when it don't happen often, man, you don't forget. You know what <laughs> In high school, man, or just the experiences before I was fortunate enough to get to the league and stuff. High school was fantastic, man. I played so much football. and You spend so much more time with football teams. Like basketball, we got that season. And then we're not together working out for another two, three months and then do the summer and then be together the whole time. Football, you're together so much. Yeah. Football is just that place in my heart where we got playing in the playoffs. I think that was the biggest, like one of the memories for me, first time playing in the playoffs with, with Coach D and them. Coach D always had us in the highest division. We played against Clinton. I remember we played against Clinton the first time. They killed us by like 50. And I Man. was like, this is bad. They had me running down on kickoff. I was like, this is bad. But then we came back and we switched the defense up and we literally lost by three points. And we only lost because we switched to a 4-3 for one play. One play, we switched to a 4-3. They run a freaking zone read and freaking quarterback scores a touchdown. We ran a 3-4 the whole game. 
We could have went to the championship, bro. I was killing. I had like two, three sacks, TFLs. I was killing, boy. But I'll never forget that, man. That, I think Joel, man, my boy, he played D in that game. He missed the quarterback. But that's a memory I remember just because it was a one-time thing. And I think that's stuff you'll never forget. That's mm-hmm. a big part of, of our story. So what about you, KB? What would you say was some of your best experiences uh, in high school? My favorite experiences are the team fights. So... <laughs> It would be so funny. Just being tough. That's where we're from. Me and another guard, we used to try to just attack Jay and CJ. And I don't know why, because they look 6'8 compared to us. <laughs> and we used to just be fighting the big men. And it got me prepared for life, though. I was like, if I got, <laughs> I got told what to do with 6'4", 6'6", with a 70-inch wingspan, then I, I could get somebody my size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. CJ, oh, he was so funny. <laughs> it was two twin towers versus two, you know, mini me's, but we used to hang in there though. That was a fun <laughs> season, man. That was fun. Yeah, now all of those different experiences in and coming up and, and playing basketball and just building those bonds, it's crazy. We was just like kids having fun. We didn't know we was building like lifelong friendships with each other. I think that's a, a big part of business and understanding the lifestyle. The next thing I want to talk about is like some of the business side of things. Jay, I want to know. You had to beat a lot of statistics to get to where you at, man. You had to overcome so many things that people probably was in your ear saying, yo, your grades ain't good enough. You're not fast enough or whatever. And you found a way to overcome every obstacle that people threw your way. So what would you say in order for you to get to the NFL, our entrepreneurs listening that they're in business and there's a lot of obstacles that they have to go through. And KB and I, we believe business is a sport. What would you say is some of the statistics you had to beat to make it to the professionals? We're going to talk about how you started your own training camp here in a second. But if you could let the listeners know, what statistics did you have to beat, Jay? I posted a statistic on my Instagram. Every time you go up a level, there's less people doing what you do. You go to high school, let's say there's a million high schools. By the time you go to college, there's only 20,000. Right. I'm talking at the highest level. I'm talking Division One. I'm talking to the, the Syracuses, the, the Alabamas, the Miamis. You know what I'm saying? There's only a few of those. There's not many. There's a couple hundred kind of thing. And it's 50 states. You know what I'm saying? You grow. And then by the time you get to the opportunity to play in the pros, you got 300 people that get drafted. There's tens of thousands of people that play college football. Right. There's only less than 2% that ever play in the league. Not get drafted, wow. play, not get vested, not spend three years and get a vested, get a pension, get a 401k. I'm talking just play. Those odds are, if you're just looking at them on paper, can seem insurmountable. Dag, man, I can't, like, I might as well just go ahead and be a janitor. It's not going to work out. Don't stare at the finish line, I feel like, to an extent. I lived my life on focusing on what was on the right in front of me. I might have looked at my competition and said, I'm better than him. So that competitive nature in me just made me grind harder. And my mentality was, man, I want the janitor to know who I am because that's how hard I'm working. Why are you here? Why are you still here? Ain't nobody else here. Anybody <laughs> else on spring break on the beach with their shirt off. That's like the me. mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like with some baby oil dripping down their chest like KB. You know? <laughs> it's Shea Butter you know? though. Right, Looking <laughs> look like Safari. Uh, (laughs) the mentality was I was different when I look back at why I made it why I was fortunate enough to make it it wasn't by happenstance it wasn't like I just stumbled upon it I went to a D1 school I went to Syracuse University I was around other gifted athletes why was I the highest drafted one in my draft class when I was the last picked Mm. it was because when I look back at it people wanted to go to spring break I was at the facility 
people want to go home. I'm watching film after every practice. Every time we practice, I go eat. I go watch film. Everybody else going to home. I'll go home later. I'm going to go watch film. And then I'm going to stay in a study hall till 1130 at night finishing my essays. Because I'm going to get both done. But I know it's important. Don't get me wrong. Like, we was in college. You was crazy. Chase girls, chase whatever. But, man, it was about focusing on what's most important. Like, that didn't precede me getting my work done. That didn't precede me watching film. You know, that didn't precede me getting an extra workout in. So I think it's an unflappable confidence that you have to be successful. Plus, you have to have the work ethic. It doesn't mean you have to kill yourself every single day. But it means that, man, if everybody else is doing something, Nine times out of ten, it ain't what you want to do. It's not going to be fruitful. All them same guys I know that had all, honestly, the ones that had all the chicks, that when they came there, it was a three, four star, and they freaking came, and they thought it was sweet. Ain't none of them pan out. You know what I'm saying? Ain't none of them pan out. You know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. Me, Justin Pugh, and Chandler Jones, the last three highest draft picks in Syracuse in the past 10 years or more. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And it's because I watched how they worked. Chandler was a freaking phenom. Chandler worked his butt off. You know what I'm saying? I remember Chandler come pick me up in the Volvo, taking me down to practice. Now he's one of the best players in football, period. Justin Pugh, phenomenal. Same work ethic. So it was like you had to figure out what was the method. Ah, I'm not just here for this. The goal has to be bigger. It has to be. But in the same token, like I said, it, it got to be in the back of your mind. The, the Whatever it is you want to become. But what's in front of you has to be the grind. It has to be the work. Because you don't know what tomorrow brings. You can get hurt tomorrow. Tear your ACL, tear your Achilles. I done had so many injuries, both turf toes and the toes both ligaments in the hands, spraining MCLs, ACLs all the time. Wow. Being at football, it's very dangerous to get hurt at any given time. How do you prepare your mind going back to the game, knowing that you're coming off an injury? What do you, you know do? Do you try to use psych yourself out? Do you tell yourself different things? Like, How do you go forward with that? That is the great question, KB. That is the most overlooked part of sport because wow. people overlook the mental toughness that an individual has to have for you to tear your ACL or you do something, right, on the field. Do you know that's traumatizing? That is like having a, getting in a car accident and then five months later getting back in the car. You know what wow. I'm saying? That is the mental process of it. Oh, man, I tore my ACL. And then, like, people tear their ACL. I can tell by watching games what happened to a player before the doctors ever touch him. You know what I'm wow. saying? Like, it's not rocket science to me. I'm like, bro, he was just running and then he just falls. X-ray is going to be negative. He tore his MCL, ACL. It's not even a question because I understand football and how it works. So to answer your question more plainly, KB, you really just football, you're literally going to be rehabbing your whole career. You might not be injured to the point where you can't play, but you're going to be hurt to the point where you got to rehab every year, all year. So you're constantly building things up and, you, and it's just a mental problem. You realize you're going to be hurt. You just cast down that fear of, man, it's going to happen again. Like, so what? Get as much as you can done between them lines before it ever happens again. Hopefully it never happens again. Yo, I never thought of that. You said getting an injury on the field is like getting into a car accident and then hopping right back into a car. Because I guess on the professional level, when you experience those injuries, yeah, you got to get right back to it and, and pretend that everything is cool and not be timid for the next player the next season. I think that's crazy, Jay. To kind of change gears a little bit, bro, I, I want to know, in order for you to play at such a high level and to accomplish what you've been able to accomplish over the last 10 years, who or what did you have to get rid of for you to reach your goals and to get to where you at? Who or what I had to get rid of. Interestingly enough for me, I never really had crazy like posse or group of people. I always felt like I had to 
be around. I was always trying to be a funny guy, just trying to be myself. That was who I was. I grew up as a fat kid, so I had to learn how to tell jokes. That was my end. If I was going to get a girl, it was going to be all jokes. I ain't no pretty boy. Like, that wasn't going to cut it for me. I, I never had that group like that. I always had a couple people here and there that I talked to. I haven't been great with relationships, honestly. I never really had somebody I spoke to every single day. And then my parents and stuff like that, they didn't call me all the time. They weren't like really invested in anything that I did, honestly. I didn't feel like I had to really cut anybody off. It really, I just had to focus. That was probably a benefit to me, that I wasn't so latched on to friends that were doing different things that I was always around them. I was more like, hey, I'm over here. You know what I'm saying? I'm over here. That's it. I'm over here. You, I'm watching. You can do whatever you want to do. I got my blue papers. I'm going to walk these dogs. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to go to YMC in the summertime. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to experience life. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to give some money to my mom. I'm going to get my grades. Why? Because I want to play ball. My mom only paid for, when we had to pay for basketball and football, my mom only paid like one time. That was my freshman year. After that, I was selling them Pop-Tarts. I was selling them Welch's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I made it happen because I wanted to do it. It's about willpower. It's about how much do you really want to do this? I remember you used to sell candy, like him, and put it in your backpack and bring it to school. And you was making a profit from like, <laughs> straight up. Candy like, man. Yeah. But it's like, how bad do you want? Are you going to look at it? Oh, man, people going to look at me like, man, what is he doing? He ain't got no money. It's like, man, forget all that. I'm building something. You might not see it. They answer your question plainly. I didn't have to cut anybody off. I really just stayed locked into the mission. And I think like, bro, that's different. It's not normal because most people, when they trying to play at a high level, they always feel like they have that one person that they have to prove something to, or they got those toxic people that they always are trying to, you know, impress. And that's what we feel, KB and I feel, hold a lot of entrepreneurs or people, anyone who's trying to play at a high level, that stops them from getting to the next level. And I think it, again, it it glorifies why you've been able to win is you've never really put yourself in a position that you had those toxic people that was holding you back. Even if you had them, you ain't even pay them no mind because you were so focused on the next goal. I think, man, like Jay, that's, a big reason of why KB and I respect you and we wanted you to come to the, the neighborhood is to like really share that. Okay, what would you say is the next thing you got? Hold on, can I say something about that real quick? Yeah. I think that, interestingly enough, like one thing I can remember was my always my motivation. I can count on one hand how many games my mom and dad came to basketball and football, right? In high school. I played both every yep. single year. You know what I'm saying? And I can count on one hand how many games they came to. So my motivation turned to Play like your mom's in the stands. It was a fiction of my imagination, like she was there. So I had the ball. Now, to touch on what you said about people having these people, they feel like they have to prove wrong. A lot of people are successful because of negativity, not positivity. They built like your dad wasn't there, your mom wasn't there, whatever. It's a negative, it's really a negative, right? But you create this thing on your shoulder, like I'm going to prove, I'm going to shine so bright that you cannot see me. Mm. I feel like a lot of people have done it. LeBron James, I believe his father wasn't in his life. He's LeBron James now. Wherever his dad is, he knows who he is. But interestingly enough, there's nothing more important than him being able to speak to his dad, being able to for his dad to say, I'm proud of you, son, not because of the money you've made, but because of the man you become. That's more important than everything else. And that's what we're really fighting for. We're fighting for that person to grab us around the neck and say, man, I'm proud of you, man. <laughs> like, man. Yeah. 
Like, that's really what it comes down to. All the money is going to be nothing if that never happens. That's crazy. I said this on another episode when me and KB was talking. That I think that's my biggest motivation as well is growing up, Jay, I never had my mom and my dad show up to any of my games. They were just mm-hmm. too busy working and mm-hmm. they weren't able to make any of them. And I feel like that made me feel like I had to go harder and I wanted to win on a big level because growing up as a kid, I never got attention. I never really got it. My family was just always busy. Yeah, I totally relate to that. When you have that mindset of like they're in the stands, even though they're not, you just feel like you're going to try to play your best and do it for your team and do it for the people that is currently there. But you really just wish you had your family there to show you love, but they're not there because they can't afford to be there. It's just the main qualities that you need for entrepreneurship is you got to take the negatives and you got to turn them in positive forces. That's what gets us going. You just take everything, the good and the bad and create your own story. Jay, can you please tell us about BFA, Bromley Football Academy? Bromley Football Academy is a uh, program that I started not too long ago. And um, it's really about my name. I think of my name as not just a lotion, it's not just a tea. <laughs> 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 I wish I was getting cut some of those checks, but not quite. But Bromley Football Academy, man, it just stands for really perseverance. And it's about cultivating mainly defensive linemen front seven guys right now to be the best that they can be and really in the new jersey new york uh, area because they don't get that kind of recognition you don't see too many d linemen coming out of uh, new york new jersey why the recognition isn't there i was six foot four um 250 pounds and i had no scholarship offers you put six foot four 250 in georgia he has 10 mm. he didn't even have he, he ain't had one sack yet You know what I'm saying? My goal with Bromley Football Academy is to take my experience, which is at this point, five years of NFL experience, six years of pro experience, right? Four-year Letterman at Syracuse, all ACC, team captain, you know what I'm saying? Team captain in Syracuse, XFL, half a year, team captain in the XFL, showing my leadership ability. I want to take all these qualities and what I know about defensive line play, which I've developed over the years, and give it to people in a way where I can really teach you. I think that's the difference that Bromley Football Academy offers, a a teaching ability that I have personally that I can show you the way, why it's important to do the drill, not just put you through things to to give you busy work, but to show you how to become the player you desire to be. Because I've been around a lot of places. That's not the case. A lot of coaches are just there. They really don't know what they're doing. And there's some great ones out there. There's some phenomenal coaches out there. I think – the ultimate goal of a coach is to, to figure out the best way to convey the message and to help you understand why the message is important. And Bromley Football Academy is doing that and will do that for many people and help guys get scholarships, help guys improve in the league and help younger guys improve for high school, junior high school, whatever, you know, ball level they're playing at. How does someone sign up for that? How do they um, reach out to you and get connected there? Bromley Football Academy, BromleyFA at gmail.com. That's the email that I use for Bromley Football Academy. You can hit me up there for any inquiries about ages, about training sessions, about times, different things of that nature. We're working on a Bromley Football Academy website. Also, we have some gear, Bromley Football Academy gear coming. That's in the works. That's some prototypes out there right now. And also on my social media, Take96, which is my professional social media. You can hit that up also. If you would like to, anyone listening out there, but just to get your guys, young men, probably from 10, eight, ages 10 and up, all athletes can be worked out. Guys that really aspire to be great D linemen, that really aspire to learn technique 
and change not only their technique, but also a mentality. I was just about to ask up the, the niche is basically only defensive line and training, right? Yes. Right now, I'm specializing in defensive line, front seven training. So defensive line, linebackers, I can get you guys where you need to go, period. You're going to get pro coaching. You're going to understand what you're doing. You're going to learn how to be physical. You're going to learn how to change your mentality so that when you flip that switch on the field, you're a different guy. And that's what it takes in football. It takes a switch to be flipped so that you can get on that field and you can knock off heads and you can get off that field and you can help your mama with the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did notice while I was checking out your page is that uh, your training style, it seems like very poised. It's not, you're not yelling and screaming as your clients and you're actually guiding them and really teaching them. Is that something that you received or that's just something how you want to approach like coaching? From my experience in coaching, from getting coached, man, there's so many different ways to coach it, man. And honestly, different strokes for different folks. When I was in college, I had a coach, Jimmy Brumbar, I love him. Probably one of the best coaches I've had. He coached me really rough and he was like almost insulting. <laughs> it made me get better because I woke up every day and I was like, bro, I do not want this man to say this again. Like, I do not want him to talk to me like that. I want to get it right so that he can be like, good job, bro. So that's different strokes for different folks. That's for a different, maybe sometimes age bracket where you start talking differently. But ultimately the overall goal is to help you understand why this drill is important. How, why are your eyes and why the eyes being the most important part of the body are so important because you can't hit what you can't see. Why are your hands important? If you don't play with your hands, you can't make plays. You'll make some plays, but you won't make all the plays that you're capable of making. And why is it your hips? It's not about hands knocking people back. It's about hips, legs, lower body. That's where all the knockback, that's where all your power is. So you need a strong lower body. So helping people understand the why of things rather than just going out there playing football, thinking that your athleticism is going to win. Because eventually you're going to get to a level where your athleticism is matched. And that's where the technique, that's where the mental capacity comes in. I got to look at this formation and I got to understand where's my strong points and where's my weak points. I got a follow-up question. Where do you see uh, BFA in the next three to five years? Where, how big do you think you could get this thing to be? BSA in the next three to five years is going to be a facility. It's going to be a place where defensive linemen come in the Northeast area. It's going to be the best defensive line front seven training facility in the Northeast area. And it's going to help facilitate scholarships for young athletes in New York, New Jersey. And it's going to help younger guys ages 10 and up get ready for high school and get ready uh, for their junior high schools and preparedness. And it's going to be a place where pros come that are in the Northeast area can come and get quality work. They don't have to run to Florida. They don't have to run to California and spend all that money because there's no facility in New York, New Jersey that's really giving them the work that they need. Wow. I think that's money, man. And that's what I want people to really see is the vision that you got for BFA and where you try and take it. I really want all of the listeners to know, yo, check this out, man. Like we got a professional NFL player in the community that's creating. He's taking his experience that what he's been able to accomplish in the NFL and he's giving it back and he's helping people tap into skills that they have, but they, they really can't take to the next level. So I highly recommend everyone listening on the community to go check out BFA and to make sure that y'all Google Jason Brownlee because he's going to blow this thing up to make everybody know what it's about the next couple of months because I know, <laughs> the, I know the type of person Jason is and yo... If he puts his mind to something, he's going to get it to win on the biggest level. So I definitely wanted to make sure our listeners are paying attention to that. BFA, Bromley 
Football Academy. Make sure y'all check that out. When we talk about some of the motivation and stuff that our listeners need to hear about why it's important to be two foot down, and we want to hear what some of the things Jay's done. I wanted to know what kind of daily uh, rituals you do to get yourself right, because it seemed like you're a very focused person. I know you have something that you do before you actually start your day. These past five years, going on five years, man, what really helped change my life and what's continually changing my life for the better is faith, is having something bigger than myself. God, Jesus Christ, mainly saving my life because, man, one thing you realize is that everybody aspires. You come from poverty, you come from the hood, people aspire to have money. People aspire to have, quote unquote, clout, recognition, all these different things for somebody to see them and know who they are. I realized that, man, that's not as all cracked up to be. You can have the money. You can have the car that you always wanted. You can have the women that you always wanted and be empty. It's so many people like that. That makes you realize that money, things, women is not going to fulfill your life. The most fulfilling thing in life is going to be purpose. And guess what? I don't care who wins the presidential election. You're not changing everybody's lives. And there's always going to be a deciding factor in why people don't agree with other people's skin color is just an easy thing to point out. You know what I'm saying? But it's way bigger than that. I believe that Jesus Christ preaches a gospel of love, of patience, of peace, of mercy, of forgiveness that we all, you know, that I believe that we all should embody. And if we did embody it, the world would be definitely a better place. So, man, having my faith lined up, I have a wonderful wife that brings a lot of ease to my life, taking care of my children and my home. And I have two magnificent, handsome sons that give me motivation and joy. So I don't lack motivation. I have purpose. It's bigger than that. Motivation and faith. Once you get the money, now what's your motivation? You're comfortable now. I've had that. I've experienced that. Like, I'm getting the money and they're not playing as well because I'm comfortable. It's not a goal anymore. But then you get the money. It's like, okay, now what is something has to change? You got to retarget. And it's like, okay, well, now it's God. Now it's, I need to be excellent because God says that I should be excellent. That means not ex- not just in football, but I should be the best husband, father, friend that I can be. It's an all-encompassing thing. And that's what you know, my faith is to me. Yeah, KB, I know that's a big thing that you believe in and you talk about a lot too, right, K? Yeah, no, that's a fact. I feel like that helps me so much on every level. I have to stay consistent with it. It's like, I have this is my daily ritual. I have to pray. I have to figure out, be thankful for what I have already. And that's a bigger part of entrepreneurship. You got to appreciate the progress. You just can't be worried about the next thing. Enjoy the moment. And one of the things too, like, I think your belief is such a big part of entrepreneurship. And if our entrepreneurs listening struggle with finding some type of motivation, sometimes you just got to dig deep. Because what Jason said is not about the money. It's not about the woman. It's about What's your purpose? What's your why to do what you do? And I think the why can't be financial and materialistic things. Ironically enough, Jay, what I want to know is growing up, you was poor. You've become a lot and I'm sure you've accomplished uh, a lot of things and being in the NFL. So, Jay, I just want to know, what is it like now not having to stress about money? If you could share with some of the listeners something to motivate them. You went from not having any money to being where you are and accomplishing your things. Could you share with some of the listeners some of the exciting things you've been able to do now that you've been in the NFL and you started your company, BFA? I just want to hear some exciting things that you know, can motiv- <laughs> motivate me and the listeners. Ironically enough, man, I'm not even that exciting of an individual, to be honest. I've been fortunate, man. Most of my excitement comes from my wife and her wanting to do things, her wanting to travel places. 
And I've been behind the eight ball on that. And obviously COVID threw a monkey rich in that. So I have to do that. Coming from not having money to having money, what you do most of the time, man, is just like you, the first thing you do is you buy what you always wanted. So when I first got drafted, I got drafted. And the first, I didn't have any credit. They have no credit, not at all. Like now I'm talking no credit. I'm not like, mm-hmm. not bad credit. I'm talking like, only, I know I did have bad credit because my mom actually had a credit card with $2,500 worth of rung up on it that I never knew nothing about, right? <laughs> so I get drafted and then I want to buy a car. And the first car I buy is a 2014 Cadillac Escalade, brand new, new body. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> brand new. That's my first car, bruh. And I didn't have no credit. I had to put $45,000 down the first day. The first day. Because I didn't have no credit, no backing. And, I, and it's funny thing, I didn't even get paid yet. I didn't even get a check from the Giants yet. I never even got, I didn't get my first check from the Giants until I didn't sign my contract until August. So I didn't get my first check from the Giants until September. I got the car. If I, I got drafted in May, I got the car in June. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look, man, I know the money's good. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's coming. I know my side of bonus. I know what it is. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I know it's coming. So my agent at the time, he wrote a check and he forwarded it to me. So that was probably the, the most flashy thing I had to do just outwardly like that. Then, like you said, you just come from nothing. So it's like, man, I had a whole sneaker room in my house. I'm by myself, mind you, right? Like pretty much single. I had my girlfriend, who was my wife now at the time, but living like crazy. I bought, I rented a three bedroom, four bathroom, three level, a townhouse in Sea Caucus. Oh, and, and I had a whole sneaker room, all the sneakers in my room. I was Nike deal back then. All the sneakers were pretty much free. So it was like, I'm just building my room up with sneakers. <laughs> And I'm by, like I said, I'm by myself. I got this big house. Like the most people was in it when my mom and them came over and just spent the night. Then they'll stay too long. And I'm like, bro, I got to go to work, bro. I got to go home. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the main thing. I've had jewelry. I've spent $10,000 on a diamond necklace before. Shoot, I spent $10,000 on a diamond necklace and brought it back within a week. Just changed my mind. Was like, nah, man, I done bought a Roly before. Had it for a couple months, brought it back. What I realized more than anything, if any entrepreneur is listening to this, it's fun, right? I got amazing friends, like amazing people that have a lot more money than me. My boy, JPP. JPP's my dog. You want watches? You want to talk about watches? This man got the auto, the Audemars, the Pig- all these different watches, the crazy watches, all the money in the world, the houses, the Range Rovers. I lived with them for two weeks. I drove the Porsche back at, two, at three o'clock in the morning by myself from the club doing the hundred. I was tripping. You know what I'm saying? Like must have been a big Porsche. (laughs) No, I'm talking a Porsche 911. Oh these things are tiny. (laughs) Me and JPP pull up to live on Sunday in a Porsche 911. Okay. And us two six foot four, six foot five behind jumping out of Porsche 911. You know what I'm saying? In front of live. Like no room for nobody else. That's like a, a unique, a cool experience I had. But other than that, man, like I don't really blow money on too many things. I'm really about figuring out, like I said before, I was talking to like Kim before we got on. I wish I knew more earlier. I wish I, because when you come from where you come from, sometimes you don't have like fathers, uncles, people in position that can say, hey, man, this is what you should do. That really wholeheartedly know something and really wholeheartedly wants you to do well. They say, look, man, OK, instead of renting that townhouse, buy it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're, you're 10 minutes from the city. That's going to be a million dollar house in 10 years. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, you can get it. You get it for 600. You get it right now. Get it. Boom. Rent it out. If you go to somewhere else, rent it out. Sell it in 15 years for a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't have that wisdom. I didn't have nobody around me that had that kind of understanding. But that's the the difference now. I want to be that, uh, that patriarch that puts the time in to learn about taxes, puts the time in to learn about business, puts the time into learning about education so that I can give that back to my sons one day and my nieces. And my aunties, my cousins, my sisters calling them, hey, man, like, how much money do you make a month? Most people can't answer that question. Yep. They don't how much they make. They can't answer how much they spend a month. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't know how much you're spending, how can you ever assess? I know you're not saving now because you don't even know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I like that part of the game now where I can sit down and look at money and be like, okay, this is how money works. You know what I'm saying? That is the most intriguing part. Not even the buying stuff. Like, I'm going to buy it. Like, you got to live. Be comfortable. Cars, they lose value as soon as you drive them off the lot. Never buy a new car. Why? They're going to build another car next year with a couple more things in it and add $10,000 on it and make you feel bad about your new car. You're driving it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got an Escalade outside right now. All blackout. Extended joint with the joint. All black rims. Everything. New Escalade got me looking at my joint. Man, you ain't. <laughs> I have old body. <laughs> oh, old, old rusty body. Look at you, man. You need to upgrade. <laughs> That's life. That's the world we live in. So. <laughs> That's true, bro. That's true. Yeah. And I was going to say on the flip side, especially being a you know, professional athlete, you've seen you know, people be at the mountaintops and then hit rock bottom because you got to understand that you're an athlete. You can't, it's not going to be coming in as much as it is. And you understand that you're going to be not playing this game one day. So you got to be smart with your money. I don't understand. I honestly, like, I'll be honest. From what I've learned in my few years, I don't understand how somebody that makes $50 million goes broke. I can understand you blowing. Like, blowing a million dollars ain't hard. It all depends on what you're buying. You could buy a piece of art for a million dollars. Like, it ain't hard to spend a certain amount of money. I, if I understand that if I put a million dollars away, I diversify that million dollars. And on average, that million dollars is going to make me between 6 and 10% a year. So I'm going to make you know what I'm saying, sixty dollars to $100,000 a year without doing anything. Yep. So a person has 50, you take five. What is your lifestyle that you can't live off of $30,000, $50,000 a month? And that's an excessive lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? That's making a half a million dollars a year, more six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 a year. So I don't really understand how people do that. I think it's poor financial advisors. I think it's people stealing from it. And I think it's an onus on family that is misrepresented, especially in Black communities. Yeah. Family is great. But I was listening to something the other day. He was like, man, if you start giving away money to family, when does it stop? Who do you not give money to? You give it to your auntie, your uncle, because they babysitted you, this person, because they gave you money when you was young, your sister, because she bought you something for Christmas when y'all was six. (laughs) No, you, what you do is, I gave money to all my sisters. I gave them cash in hand, a few thousand dollars cash in hand. Get my mom a few thousand dollars cash in hand. I always had to sit back, sit back and watch mentality. I'm gonna give you some money. Let me see what you do with it. Cause what's the point of me? Cause if you can't handle a few thousand dollars in your hand or ten thousand dollars in your hand, what's the purpose of me giving you a hundred thousand? You're gonna be right back broke again. Cause you yeah. don't know how to invest it. You don't know how to, you don't have an idea, you know what I'm saying, that you're trying to uh, cultivate. I always had to sit back and watch mentality. And it's a double-sided coin because you can argue and say that people that come from the hood don't have the understanding, wisdom, or resources to take that money and create something with it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you also can say, look, man, if you have an idea, come to me. If you need $20,000, you come to me with a business plan or a business canvas, I can help you. 
but then most people might not ever come with that business canvas. They'll be more offended at the fact that you got a hundred grand and you didn't give me five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you got it, yeah. but I earned this hundred grand. It's all mine. You know what I'm saying? I didn't owe you anything. And sometimes love is sitting back watching, letting somebody struggle. Because if you don't struggle, you're never going to learn. We all learn because of struggle. That tug of war in our hearts for what we desired a little bit and what we desired more helped us get to where we wanted to go. That's crazy. So, Jay, I got a question, man. For the listeners that are listening right now, there's a lot of people that want to be a successful entrepreneur. Or there's some entrepreneurs that they had dreams of going to the professionals. So what would you say to someone that's trying to win it big and they're trying to do something that most people have never done? So then that way they keep going because entrepreneurship, being a professional athlete, it's a battle, man. It's a marathon. And we understand that most people never win. Most people will never make it to the the professionals like what you did. And most people who start a company, they'll never follow through because of the work that it takes. So what would you say to an entrepreneur that's listening, regardless of what field they're in, whether they're in sales, whether they're in fitness, or they're doing hair, or they're doing anything? Like, What would you tell that person to help them continue going in their journey in entrepreneurship? I'm taking something from a guy that most people that entrepreneurs probably know. And if you don't know, you probably need to look him up, Gary Vee. And it's more about what is your version of success, right? If you're competing or you're putting yourself side by side with Pepsi, and you just started your own soda company, you're going to be discouraged. Because yeah. you're going to say, I'm nothing. The gap is so big, right? It's about what is your version of success? Are you 30 years old and you haven't made a million dollars yet? So you're looking at life like it's not happening, like I should just quit, give up? No, you got to realize it's a long game. Like most people, like Warren Buffett didn't start investing his millions of dollars, make his first like money real until he was already in his 50s. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's Googleable. You got to understand this is a long game. We look at athletes and then social media personalities and stuff that make a bunch of money like they're standard. They're not a standard. They are an anomaly. To be 25, 26 and have $100,000 saved doesn't happen. Where did you work, Manji? You know what I'm saying? Where were you living? You know what I'm saying? What did you do? You know what I'm saying? That's not normal. So understand that, man. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If you have a goal, a dream, an idea, cultivate it. Learn from people that are doing things that you're doing or like things that you're doing. Like it was the imitation is the best form of flattery. Man, you never walked down the bread aisle and said, damn, it's all these breads. You know what I'm saying? The, whoever made these breads didn't look at the next bread and say, I can't make it because they already use potatoes. They said, no, nah, I'm going to just put my bread on it. I just added a little cinnamon in mine, baby. That's That'll be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, And then somebody buys it. I like the cinnamon. I got a little cinnamon aftertaste. That's what I like. That is what is different about you is always going to be the, the determining factor in why someone chooses to wear Under Armour instead of Nike, right? Because the fabric, you can't really tell the difference. But why do they both exist? Why? Because people can't agree. Somebody's always going to want to do something different. <laughs> Run that back. What do you say imitation is the best form of flattery? Yes. Imitation is the best form of flattery. You see mean? somebody doing something that is productive. Say on another coast, right? You see somebody doing something that's productive. Like, oh, wow, their followers are growing. They're doing X, Y, and Z. They're getting a good feedback from this. Are you going to say, I can't do that because they're already doing it? They're on the West Coast. You're not even in competition with them. You know what I'm saying? You're all the way over here. Why not learn from them? Swallow that pride. Be humble. Say, what are they doing so well? And how can I take advantage of that? And then in the same token, put my little cinnamon in it. 
You know what I'm saying? Put my little cinnamon in it. It's not the same. It's different, but it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? And it's your thing. We overlook the products that we use every day and we don't apply that to business. If you just go in the grocery store, you can see that you can cohabitate with things that are like you and be successful. But we always know the creativity, that's the one that's going to hit it big. The one that does something, create the headphones without the wires. Yep. You created a need that nobody knew they had. You know what I'm saying? So then you took off with that. Then what did people, then what happened after that? As soon as Beast did it, what happened? You can buy them at the freaking grocery. Yeah. You can buy them at the Walmart. Yeah. For some, and guess what? That person that's making them selling it for ten dollars. What's their margin? You got to think the dollar store is being is freaking profitable. That's the exciting <laughs> part about entrepreneurship. I think about that all the time. How is this freaking five below making money? Yeah. But they are making money. They're not open because they're not. All these great little products I'm getting for five dollars and below. What is their margins on these things? It's taking them. It might cost them a dollar to make. One of the big things, KB, we want to figure out is when someone comes to the show, we always like to ask them what it's like being on the show. You could ask them one of our wrap up questions, unless you you have something else you want to know, okay? No, I, I definitely want to ask it. You kind of said it already, but being that you start in this journey of of your company and also being an athlete, where what do you feel the word entrepreneurhood means to you being that you are taking these journeys and you're going to the next level? Entrepreneurhood sounds like a community of people. It sounds like people, you never get nowhere without having someone or something that really helps you mentally or physically be prepared to go to the next level. Partnerships in general. And I think I said this before, when we spoke before, the Industrial Revolution was an opportunity. It sparked specialization and what specialization did it allowed people to make more money because if i could specialize in doing one thing you had to pay me significantly for being an expert in it rather than me being doing 10 things okay so what entrepreneurhood is you might be good at marketing i might be good at ideas this person might be good at internet this person might be good at the math we all can work cohesively as a unit and be productive and get to where we want to go rather than me being frustrated because I don't know the math or frustrated that I don't know the marketing, right? Now, if we do it the right way and we can make it fair, then everybody can eat off this plate, which we all help bring food to. That's different, bro. Every time we ask that question, we get a similar but a, a unique perspective. And I think that was a money answer, Jay. We appreciate you sharing that. Before we wrap up the episode, Jay, do you feel like, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with or anything that KB and I, we didn't ask you that you like, yo, I got to get this off my chest. Or do you feel like you had a chance to share everything that you wanted to? I'm grateful. I thank you that you even considered me to speak to me on this show. Man, it's been great memories, obviously, from high school. And then watching us mature as men and grow as men and soon to be husbands and fathers. And I'm just grateful that you guys gave me this opportunity, man. I'm never overlooking that. I bless you guys. I wish you guys nothing but success on the show on this podcast that may you have a lot of viewers and a lot of opportunities from it. And I hope to this not be my only time to ever coming on. And but other than that, man, I'm just grateful. I'm just so grateful, man. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I have a healthy wife and children. You can't ask for more than that. I think entrepreneurs take a moment, people take a moment and really, especially during this pandemic, and you don't know how things are going to go. We thought it was going to be over in a week. We thought it was going to be over in a month. We thought it was going to be over in two months. We're almost a year full circle in this thing and it's still progressing. So if you've never thought about gratitude, look at your mom, your grandma, your son, your children and be grateful. And if you ever, if you never thought about believing in something bigger than yourself, it's a perfect time. I think listeners, again, man, what I want to 
you know, finish up with my last uh, takeaway. Make sure y'all go check out Jason Bromley, man. Look him up on, on the gram. What's your handle on the gram again, Jay? Take 96 and Bromley Football Academy. And Google him. Like you Google him, you will find out that Jason came from Queens, New York, made it to the NFL and is now tapping into his business skills that he knew he always had. Uh, KB and I, we proud of him. And I think we want this episode to really touch a lot of people. It's like entrepreneurship and business is a sport. And Jay, he finished everything that he needed to. So we want all of our entrepreneurs to keep grinding, keep putting in the work and make sure that the only way you lose is when you stop. We appreciate you for coming on the show and we want to keep winning together. Entrepreneurhood. Anyone can start, but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, and we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.